0: What's up everybody, it's David the Jaggernaut Jagno here with episode 7 of Turnbase and I'm joined by my co-host Gary Swaybe.
1: How are you doing? Hey, how you doing Dave? Good to be back on the Turnbase. It's been a couple weeks now I think but we're back. Um, I'm happy, to, happy to be talking about RPGs once again, my favorite genre of video games. Uh, I believe this is the first time base of 2012 as well, so, yeah.
0: That's true, that's true. Alright, so, what have you been playing recently?
1: Um, I've actually been playing quite a lot, I mean, besides Skyrim, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that again, because, you know, I mean, I've been talking about that game for like the past two months, non-stop, so... You know, obviously I've been playing Skyrim, but um, I've also been able to play a couple other RPGs, um, mostly JRPGs. Now, since uh, Final Fantasy XIII 2 is coming out next week, actually, um, I have figured that I should actually try and finish Final Fantasy Thirteen completely, because I never actually, you know, like, finished it to the end. So, um... You know, I played that for, like, a whole week. Um, like, I picked up where I left off, basically, and I managed to finish it. And, um, I mean, as far as Final Fantasy 13, like, I reviewed the game when it came out. And I kind of, you know, I kind of went a bit hard on it because, you know, when you compare it to previous games in the franchise, it just... It doesn't have the same magic that the previous games had. So you know, um, you know this game is just it's it's a bit too linear, you know, for my liking. And uh, I mean, it has a, a like one thing that I can say positively about Final Fantasy Thirteen is that it has a great storyline. Um, the story is really good. Uh, I really enjoyed the storyline. But it's just, it's it's so linear, and it's so easy as well. Like, the previous games, they presented a lot of different challenges for you, but in this game, it's like, as long as you grind enough, you'll beat the bosses easily, like, without without the slightest, you know, bit of difficulty. So, I really didn't like that. And also, you know, the other games, they kind of have that whole spaceship thing where you can go back and forth between different areas uh but in this game it's like you just you you go to a portal and then like you you can teleport back to like a previous area and you only get a choice of two areas to to go back to and you know that is kind of annoying because like in the previous games you get a spaceship and then you can literally like travel to loads of different locations and even discover secret locations and find, you know, secret bosses and all that stuff. I mean Yeah 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 I mean thirteen it does have like it does have secret bosses to an extent but it's it's nothing really hard, you know, like in other games you would have like dark Aeons and that sort of thing. But in this game is just like it's too easy man so that, that's that's what I don't like about the game how linear it is but the storyline was really good and exciting so
0: yeah yeah that's good I mean I know you're excited for 13 too so I'll be excited to hear what you had to say about that later
1: yeah definitely um and we're actually going to talk about that in our upcoming segment So, yeah, we'll we'll get to that later. But um, another game that I also wanted to mention that I've been playing, I actually played it today, was um, Star Ocean The Last Hope. Now, I actually got this game about two years ago, I believe. And, um, okay, like, (laughs) this is a really shameful thing, right? When I first got the game and I played it, I could actually never get p- past the first boss, and I was also I was always like ashamed of myself because of that. <laughs> <laughs> like I was ashamed of myself. I, I tried it a good couple times, and I could not beat that first boss. Right. So, like playing Final Fantasy 13 kind of got me back into the mood to play a, a Japanese RPG. So I decided, you know what, I'm gonna pick up. Star Ocean, The Last Hope again, and you know, see if I can beat that boss. I started from the beginning, and you know, I learned everything, I went through the tutorials and everything, right? And then I got to that first boss now, today, and I beat him the first time. So like, it, it, the thing is, I didn't, I think when I played it the first time, two years ago or whatever, I think I didn't go through the tutorial properly so I didn't know about a certain technique that you could use called blindside and um oh, I basically okay. yeah I basically learned about that this time so I guess that is what made the difference and you know I, I kind of took him out very easily as well today so you know it's like I mean that that was kind of good I guess because I always told myself, you know what, I have Star Ocean, I need to get into it Someday, you know And it was good that You know, I finally got past that first Boss and everything, so Now I'm probably going to give it a a Decent try, but um, With Final Fantasy XIII 2 coming out next week You know, that might get in the way A little bit, but I still want to Make good progress In Star Ocean, so Yeah, I'll be playing that for the next couple days. So, we'll see how that goes.
0: Alright, well, I'm proud of you, first of all. I want you to know that. And, uh, as far as what I've been playing, uh, I haven't really been playing a whole lot recently, since classes just started back and everything. But, I have uh, been playing a few things. Some of them I'm going to talk about a little bit later in different sections. Uh, First... This Skyrim, of course, I've been playing that. I recently got it for PC instead of PS3, so we're gonna. I'm gonna talk about different mods later on. Um, I played some of the Kingdoms of Amalur demo, and I posted an article on that last week, but I'll talk about that a little bit as well. And then also, I played. Um, I've been playing some Dungeons and Dragons, and so I'm also gonna talk that as well today in our uh, spotlight section. Uh, as far as other games that I've been playing, I'm um, nearly done with Alpha Protocol. I really like that one. It's a lot better than I expected. It, Critically, it didn't get very good scores because when it came out, it had a lot of bugs. But those have been mostly fixed now. Oh, And I think it's really good. Yeah, I'm, I really like it.
1: What um, platform do you have it on? Oh, PS3, right? I
0: have it on PS3, yeah.
1: Hmm, okay. And, I mean, I played the game... Um, on three hundred and sixty, I actually reviewed it as well, and I mean at that time it was just really bad, and some of the bugs were just like inexcusable. So, but I mean, I guess you know it's different now with the patch and everything.
0: Yeah, I actually haven't found, came across any bugs so far. Um, the only the the thing I will say is that the combat itself is a little underwhelming. It's not um, really as rewarding as it could be, like, in a game like Mass Effect, which is kind of similar in some ways.
1: Yeah, but I mean... I think the... The main thing that really annoyed me is, like... I mean, I mean, I, I know it's it's meant to be, like, an RPG-style game, but it's like, you know, we it, it has shooting mechanics and stuff. And it's like, I was aiming right at somebody's head at point-blank range. And, you know, they wasn't going down Like, I don't know If that's still an issue now, but You know, that was one of the things that Really kind of put me off Because I know, like, you can have Loads of upgrades for guns and stuff So with that, I would, you know Kind of expect the gunplay to be Kind of accurate and on point And stuff, but
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean At the very beginning, I had some of those Problems as well, but It wasn't really as noticeable. I'm guessing they must have fixed some of that, too, because I haven't really noticed it. One thing I will say is that the boss fights are very frustrating because, like, the character that I play is mostly stealth and pistols, and so usually whenever I do a mission, I try to avoid firefights as much as possible, but then most of the boss fights, you don't have that option, and you're just forced to get into a gunfight with them, and my character isn't really built for that, and it makes it really frustrating but at the same time, the story, I like a lot. I like all the choices you get to make. The characters are good. Um, it's entertaining. But, I mean, it could definitely be better in a lot
1: of ways. Yeah, I mean, one thing I did like was, um, you know, when you have the dialogue and you have to make a choice, um, it times you, so, you know, you have to make quick decisions and stuff.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you can't pause it and then like Google what'll happen if you pick this or that. Yeah. You have to actually think on your feet and respond the way that you want to respond.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um Bioware actually incorporating that into Mass Effect three, I believe. So I mean that's something that's something that Alpha Protocol, you know, kind of innovated on.
0: That's pretty interesting. Uh, Speaking of Mass Effect 3, that's a good segue into our news section. First, we're going to talk about the Mass Effect 3 action figures that have been detailed. Uh, The new set that they're releasing, they're actually Mass Effect 2 action figures, but they're going to come with Mass Effect 3 DLC. Um, From the press releases that I've read, it seems like they're going to include some type of download code so that you can redeem that DLC whenever you play the game. Um, I have a few problems with this. First, I think it's kind of a cheap way for them to push more merchandise. I mean, I think it's kind of cool, but if you can redeem the DLC without buying the action figures, then that'll be fine. But I just hope they don't force you to buy these action figures in order to get the DLC. That'd be really unfair. And um, another problem I have is it seems like if you were going to buy these action figures, you would buy them to collect them and having to open the box to get the DLC code is kind of messed up because collectors yeah. don't want to open the boxes. They want to keep them pristine and closed. So yeah. What do you think about this?
1: Yeah, I see I I agree with like both your points on that. Um I I actually don't think that they'll force you to buy these figures to get the DLC cuz I think that would be bad business for like Xbox Live and PlayStation Network to, you know, have to force people to, to buy It's actually these. not
0: available on PlayStation. You can only get it as for 360
1: or PC. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I'm not well, sure yeah. why. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, the same applies. I think it's still bad business to have to force people to buy, you know, a figure that they might not want, you know, just to get the DLC. But, at the yeah. same at the same time, as a Mass Effect fan, I wouldn't actually mind owning some of these figures anyway. So,
0: Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah I agree with that. I yeah. hope what happens is, because um, I know usually a bunch of different stores like Toys R Us, Best Buy, GameStop, they'll all do special pre-order bonuses yeah. that only their store has. And then a few months later, they'll release it and you can buy it separately. So I'm thinking that's probably what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, probably. I know, as far right. as the opening the box thing, I agree with that.
0: Yeah, and there's really no way around that. Unless they, well, no, there's really not a new way around that. Some then people could just open it, or just get the code in the store if they don't have to buy it. Maybe it's on the receipt. Maybe that's what they'll do. So you don't have to open the box.
1: Yeah, that would be the most logical thing. Because, I mean, they can't actually print the code on the box because then, you know, people would be able to get it for free at the store. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, like, if they put it on your receipt or something, then, yeah, that would be ideal.
0: Or maybe the code could be on the box, but it's only activated after it's purchased or something, some type of scanner, activator, or something like that. Yeah.
1: Is that possible? I don't
0: know. I have no idea. I might have just made up a technology. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Someone needs to patent that straight away.
0: Yeah, no, it's still my idea. (laughs) Alright, so next, um, another article that I posted earlier this week is about Guild Wars 2. It's been confirmed that the game is going to officially be releasing this year. And, uh, next month and in the following months, they're going to start doing betas for it. So I'm very excited. Um, for the past couple years, this has been the MMO that I've been waiting for. Uh, for a few reasons. First is that um, if you just go to YouTube or Google or anything like that and just look up videos on it, first of all, it's beautiful. The graphics are amazing. Second is that the gameplay seems really innovative. It's very action-oriented. It's going to be really... It's going to be a lot more intuitive. It's not going to be traditional MMO gameplay, it seems like. And uh, third is that the game has like a, a, sto- a story system that's kind of similar to Old Republic in that it's more storyline-centered, where each character has their own individual story and background and stuff like that. But then at the same time, this game's also just buy-to-play. You don't have to do a monthly prescription to play it. And, um, so I'm really excited. The first Guild Wars I was kind of disappointed with because it was more of a game where the cities were hubs and then outside of the towns you couldn't run into other players unless they were in your party. So it wasn't really an MMO. It was just kind of a lobby where it was felt like an MMO. But Guild Wars 2 is going to have more open environments, so it's going to be more like a traditional MMO in that way.
1: Sounds good, um... I've been hearing, you know, a lot of good stuff about this game from different people, from you and Mr. AKQ. Um, and I, I really think that I have to try out this game once it comes out. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about buy-to-play games. You don't have to, you know, pay for a subscription, where you pay like 15 bucks. And if you're not playing it the whole month and feel like you're wasting your money, yeah. you can just buy the game jump in and then if you decide to get bored of it you know don't play it for a while then you can reactivate it at any time and it's it's very easy then you can buy expansions later on if you want to expand it you know it's just uh, up to you what you want to do with it after you own it
1: yeah i mean that's kind of ideal for me because um you know i actually want to try stuff like um star wars the old republic but it's like that game is expensive you know you have to buy it and then, you know, pay the subscription, and it's like, you know, I don't think I would be playing it all the time every month, you know, so it's like, it's not, it's not a worthy investment at this point in time.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of, um, you know, that that kind of thing is ideal where you know you can just jump in whenever you want to without having to worry about the monthly subscription and all that stuff
0: yeah exactly all right and um let's see just one i wanted to make one quick note about xenoblade chronicles i think we talked about this before that it has been confirmed that it's coming to the u.s yeah and um, once you pick up yourself a Wii, you should play this game because I've heard a lot of good things about it. And um, from what I've heard in the U.S., I it's a very limited release. They're not doing like a full scale retail launch. I think it's you can only get it if you pre-order it at GameStop, is what I think is how it's releasing. It's kind of a very selective type thing because I was at a GameStop the other day. And I asked them some questions about it, and they said that you have to pre-order it to get it. So I guess they're not doing a full-scale launch. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you're interested, you know, go put like 10 bucks down on it so you can reserve your copy. And then if you want it, you can buy it later. Yep. And uh, let's see. Going on to the next one. Uh, did you play the Kingdoms of Amlora demo?
1: No, I didn't get to. Um, I, I definitely like planned to play it this week, but I just didn't get around to it because various other things got in the way. But um, I know you and AKQ got to try it, so I'm, I'm anxious to hear you know your impressions on it. So go ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm even more excited for it now. I already knew that I wanted to play the game, and uh, hopefully I get a review copy of it so I can post up that review. But if not, then um, everyone should definitely check this game out. It, just try the demo at least. Even Carl Daniel, someone that does not like RPGs, says he's excited for this. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone that I've talked to, if they haven't heard of it, and then I start explaining it to them, and they automatically get interested. I mean, it's a game that has the depth of any... You know, big-scale RPG where, you know, you have tons of skills and a really customizable character and really in depth inventory, tons of loot, quests, enemies, all that stuff. But then it's a third-person action game also. So if you play games like God of War or something like that most of the time, then you can jump right into the combat. It's really easy to get the hang of. But then there's also tons of quests, and the story is really deep. And it just seems like the kind of game that can appeal to a big range of people, and so hopefully this is the kind of game that can draw more people into the RPG genre because I know a lot of people I talk to don't want to play games like Skyrim because it's too overwhelming.
1: Yeah, and so exactly.
0: Maybe maybe a game like this can draw in more a bigger audience, which I think is a good thing.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you yeah, know, games like Skyrim, I mean, those are just for the hardcore role-playing, you know, fanatics, but this game's like, you know, it's, it's, it's got all the hardcore role-playing elements to it, but it's, you know, it's packaged in a way that everyone can enjoy it, so that's all what, that's what's so good about this game, and I really loved that trailer as well with Claudia Black, um, narrating it, because uh, she's oh, yeah. one, she's one of my favorite, like, voice actors in video games, so, yeah.
0: And I really liked it because I had never seen it until I found it to post on that article, and it's really informative. I didn't even realize there were so many different factions and stuff for you to join. Yeah. All right, and so I know you're excited about this next topic, um, Final Fantasy X Remake. So what can you tell us about that?
1: Okay, yeah, um... Well, basically the Square Enix producer, um, Yoshinori Kitasi, uh, he said that the, um, the re-release of Final Fantasy X, aka Final Fantasy X, you know, it's not just gonna be a HD remaster. It's actually gonna be like a full remake. And that's pretty interesting stuff. you know, this, this remake is actually coming out on the PS3 and the PlayStation Vita. And, uh, you know, I mean, the fact that he said it's not a HD remaster, it's a remake. You know, it's like, I mean, wh- what do you think they're going to do with this? I mean, Final Fantasy X is like, it's like, it's the game that actually got me into the Final Fantasy series. You know, this is the game that made me, it made me go back and play Final Fantasy VII. Um, you know, it made you know, Mr AKQ he gave me Final Fantasy eight after that because he he realised how much I had fallen in love with the series and you know, I bought Final Fantasy twelve XII and thirteen and Final Fantasy One and Two even. You know, and um you know, just to, to hear that they're remaking this game is is intriguing to me because that game had so many elements. It had, you know, like the blitzball and stuff, which is like a little mini game, you know, within Final Fantasy X. So I'm just thinking yeah. of the the possibilities of what they might do with this remake. Uh, what do you think that they could do to to really bring this up to date with current technology?
0: Well, obviously, they're going to, you know, significantly overhaul the graphics. But I think that whenever he says it's not just an HD remaster, but it's a total remake, I'm thinking that maybe they'll include, it'll be kind of like a director's cut type thing where they might include some bonus stuff that wasn't in the original release. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any differences between the different versions like Japanese and American, but maybe there's more content in the Japanese version they'll include. Yeah. Um maybe they'll add more like add more mini games and stuff, kinda like uh like Blitzball, maybe there'll be more stuff like that. Um May I just I hope they don't change too much. Like I don't really know how I'd feel about like new characters.
1: Yeah, well, wow. no. They should definitely like they should keep the story the same. You know, everything needs yeah. to it needs to stay the same. But I mean, they could you know maybe put it on a new engine, put it on the Final Fantasy 13 engine maybe, but keep the whole uh, story and you know everything else the same.
0: I don't know how I feel about changing the combat engine that much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Because I mean, that's I mean, like
0: going from a turn-based game to a like an action-oriented
1: game. I mean, just like you know, I mean, use the Final Fantasy 13 engine as in like you know graphically and um, stuff oh, like okay. that. I but thought, but okay. actually rebuild the combat system as it was, you know, but on the Final Fantasy 13 engine. You know, if they can yeah, do something yeah. like that, then you know that would be pretty good.
0: Yeah, I could see that working out.
1: Yeah, but yeah. definitely, like, if they change the combat system, then that's going to be, like, you know, it's, it's not going to be right.
0: Yeah, it just wouldn't be the same game. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see what they do, though, because, I mean, even back then, or even now, looking back, that game had good graphics. I mean, it's a beautiful game, so I'm excited to see what they can do with it, and... Uh, what changes they can make because it's definitely in my top 10 favorite games of all time
1: yeah i mean they they had some great characters as well man so oh yeah lulu and yuna and waka oran's or awesome yeah oran riku the ending was
0: incredible yep well, hopefully they know what they're doing. I trust them, so... We'll have to just wait and see how it turns out, I guess. Yeah,
1: and hopefully, you know, this will come sometime soon. Because I would love to play that game again.
0: Yeah, hopefully sometime this year. Because they announced it a few months ago.
1: Yeah. Oh, and um, before we move on as well, since we are already talking about Final Fantasy... Um, they Square Enix also announced recently that they are ready to show like the first actual gameplay demo of um, Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. Now, oh yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. This game has been like you know it's been talked about for years now, and um, I mean currently it's it's still scheduled to be a PS3 exclusive. You know, 13 went multi-platform. But this is currently still a PS3 exclusive. And, you know, it's been like... There's been a lot of speculation about whether this will go multi-platform. And I think it has a good chance of going multi-platform, to be honest. But, um, you know... I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing uh, what they're going to do with this one. Because I'm hoping that it will be... Different, completely different from 13, and even 13-2, uh, because those games seem kind of linear. And I mean, 13-2 looks like it's gonna kind of be more expansive than 13 itself was. But versus looks like it's gonna be on a whole other level. So I actually can't wait to see what they're gonna show with that.
0: All right, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about that as well because the game's kind of falling off the radar, so it'll be it's nice to see that they haven't totally forgotten about it.
1: Yeah.
0: Alright, so next we'll move on to a, a new segment that we're debuting on this episode. Um, it's about our favorite game ever, the best game ever, Skyrim. And But we're not just going to be talking about it, we're going to talk about mods, and some of our favorite mods that are coming out. First, I just want to say that some of these mods are pretty impressive, given that they haven't even released the creation kit yet. So, people haven't even been working with the mod tools that Bethesda releases with their games, because they haven't came out with that yet. They've just been going into the game, and, you know, editing existing files and stuff like that to make some of these mods. And so I think that's pretty impressive. Also, it just tells you that if they can do this without any help, really, once the creation kit comes out, we're going to see some really amazing stuff. Um,
1: yeah, and uh, before you go on, let me just say that I'm extremely jealous of the fact that David has a PC that can, you know, run um, Skyrim because I really want like the PC version of Skyrim so I could, you know, try out all these mods and stuff and. Overall, the PC version is better because, you know, all the bugs that people complain about on the consoles, they they can easily be fixed on PC. So, you know, I mean, PC is just the way to play Elder Scrolls. And um, I'm really jealous right now that um, David has the chance to try out all these different mods and stuff. But yeah, go ahead.
0: All right, first, I just want to say that you should be jealous that I don't blame you. Um, I, all I can say is that I agree. I think Elder Scrolls is a series that is made for the PC because I mean, that's where it was born. And now given how popular modding is, it's a game like that. It's impossible for it to not have bugs because it's so massive and it's impossible to test everything. So even after Bethesda moves on to, you know, Elder Scrolls, you know, six or seven, people can continue to mod Skyrim. And they can keep releasing patches. So like with Oblivion, even after... People are still were done, modding
1: Oblivion, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, even Morrowind. People still mod Morrowind.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, so those games just... They create a following, and people just continue to work on them and build on them. And it's, it's pretty amazing to see. So without further ado, we're gonna, I'm going to list six mods that you should check out if you have a PC that can play Skyrim. Uh, first is that one of my biggest problems with the original game, and this was a problem that Ed had whenever we talked about Skyrim on the Game of the Year podcast, um, is the favorites list. So first off, since it's a PC, you have a keyboard, and that means you can map eight different things to hotkeys. But then also what someone has done is they've created a mod where instead of just having a tiny menu in the bottom left corner of the screen, you create a giant screen that's just one big black screen that has all of your favorites categorized by armor, weapon, spell, potion. Everything is listed alphabetically in different columns. And so it's really easy to just sort and know where stuff is. You don't have to scroll through a giant list or anything like that. Also, what it does is it adds the ability to create equipment um, combinations. So you could have your um, have a hotkey that gets you know a certain type of armor on with your flame spells out, or a hotkey that gets your archer gear on, so you're quieter and you can move around more easily. And so it's just it streamlines it streamlines the favorites menu into what it is capable of being, and it's a lot more efficient that way. Uh, second. Is I have this mod installed that changes the inventory, because the inventory in the uh, in the game, as a, it, the same problem was there for Oblivion, where the text is really big, all the icons are really big, and it's really bulky on a computer screen. But since you're sitting just you know, a foot to a foot and a half away from the screen, you don't need all the icons really huge on the screen because you can read stuff easily. So they have it listed to where the font's a lot smaller and it fits more items on the screen, so you don't have to scroll as much. And then also what it does is on the menu itself, it'll tell you the price, weight, um, the armor value, the damage, all of that stuff is on the screen itself, so you don't have to pull up the, the sidebar on the, each individual item. So I like that as well. Then, let's see This is one of my favorite mods. It's a very subtle change, but it makes a huge difference. It's a mod that changes the map because the map in the original game is beautiful. I love it. But the only problem it has is that it doesn't have any roads.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let me comment on on that real quick. Um, Now, the map is really good, like you said, you know, on the actual game. But it's just like when I was searching for certain things that actually aren't listed, Like, um, because I would be searching for uh, locations of standing stones and you know things like that. It's really hard to you know like figure out the exact you know place, the exact point where these things are. So I mean, a mod that can improve on that would be amazing. Because, like, you know, especially on, like, the consoles, it's, like, real... It feels really restricting to actually, like, pinpoint a certain specific area of the map. That's not a town. So, you know, something like that would be... It it sounds like a a really good addition to have.
0: Yeah, something like that might exist already. I don't even know. This this mod that I have, it just adds the roads into the game. And it's... Changed a lot of the of how I travel. So like for example, whenever I first made a character, getting to the graybeards took forever, because I always run or went around the mountain to the north and then looped all the way back around because I didn't know any other way. But the this mod has the map with all the roads on it, and you can actually cut through the mountain to the south, and it cuts the travel time almost in half. And I mean, if you use clairvoyance where you just have to create a trail for you all the time, then you wouldn't really need this. But it's a lot more immersive to just, you know, be able to look at your map and see the roads. And so I like that a lot. Okay, there's three more that we're going to talk about. These are less subtle. They're, um, they actually add quite a bit. Uh, the first one is called the Dovahkiin Hideout. Uh, what this does is it creates a basement that is linked to every single one of your houses. So no matter which house you're in, you can go into this basement, and the basement's going to be the same. And also what it does is it adds a ton of different weapon racks, treasure chests, uh, mannequins for armor display, everything like that. So it's one basement that's connected to all your houses, so you don't have to you know, travel to different houses to oh, get wow, to that stuff.
1: that sounds really useful because it's like, you know, in in my house in White Run, I'll have, you know, certain stuff stashed there. And in my house in, like, Winterhold or something, I'll have different things stashed there. And it's like, you know, it can be a chore, like, when you want specific items and they're spread out between different houses. So, you know, to have something universal like that would be amazing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there's a mod that was pretty much this exact same thing for Oblivion. So I don't remember the name of it, but it did it did pretty much the same thing. It was really useful. Then um, the next one, this one is another mod that is pretty much converted over from Oblivion, but put into Skyrim. With uh, I'm sure there are a few changes. It's called Mida's Magic, and it adds a bunch of different spells. Some of them are kind of ridiculous and are just for fun, and kind of they would break the game if you did them in a normal situation. But then there's other ones that just make sense, and whenever you see it, you're like, oh, wait, the game doesn't have that already? So, for example, one of them is like a beam spell that heals whoever you aim it at. Uh, There's another one that... um, They have just, like, different types of beam spells, so it's kind of like the flamethrower or the frost-type spells, but they're a little bit longer range. Yeah. Uh, There's one that, like, calls down a meteor to wherever you aim... Wow. Uh, there's, there's one that creates boulders, like, ice rocks in the air, so wherever you aim it, it'll create rocks there, and then they fall. oh So that one's pretty cool. Um, there's, there's mods that summon different things. There's one that summons a dragonling, so it's like a baby dragon that follows you around.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Uh, yeah. There's one that, uh, turns whoever you shoot it at into a rabbit, which is awesome. <laughs> um... Yeah, so it does a lot of different stuff. And they're going to keep expanding on it. And so It's really, really cool. Then, let's see. The last one I wanted to talk about is my personal favorite because I'm a huge Zelda fan. Um, It's called The Legend of Zelda, a Skyrim modification. And what it does is, is it adds in the Hylian Shield, which is, it looks perfect. It looks just like the Hylian Shield should. And then the Master Sword, they made a few changes to it. Um, for example, the blade itself has uh, it's a hint of purple in the middle. And it's um, kind of stylized slightly differently, but it looks really nice for the setting, you know, in the game. It looks like it would you would actually find it there. Um, then there's also uh, some other Zelda mods that add in the tunic that looks really nice. It looks perfect. Uh, you can download a character that's already made. That looks like Link, and it's a what-elf that you know, has the same skills Link would have. And so what I recommend doing is uh, downloading the Zelda stuff and making your character, and then playing in third person, and it pretty much feels like you're playing a Zelda game. And it's really, really fun, and it's awesome. And I'm, I'm going to try to make a video, because I think it would be cool. But yeah, that the Zelda stuff I really like a lot, because I played with the Zelda Mon in Oblivion a lot, and it's really cool to see them here. I hope they do more items like the mirror shield, boomerang, and bombs, and stuff like that. That would be really cool. Um, what One thing that I should say, though, is that since the creation kit isn't released yet, they can't create new items in the game. Instead, they have to edit current items. So, for example, the steel shield now is a Hylian shield. Whenever you have this mod installed. And a steel sword is a master sword. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... That's kind of a downside, but also at the same time, it's really awesome to have Lydia follow you around with the Hylian Shield. So, I think it works. And, uh, yeah, so that's it for the Skyrim mods discussion this week. Um, Hopefully, every episode we can talk about some new ones. Um, And then we can keep making Gary jealous, because you can't play Skyrim with mods.
1: Hey, man, this year, man, I'm I'm telling you, I'm, I'm gonna... I'm going to get a new computer this year, man, and I'm going to get Skyrim, and then, you know, you won't be able to Should. make fun of me no more. So.
0: Oh, another thing is that there's already some co-op mods in development.
1: So. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that video.
0: We'll have to wait and see if any of those turn out well, because that would be incredible. All right. So, um... Yeah, so for the spotlight, we're we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons because I've been playing that lately. But first, we can for upcoming we can do Final Fantasy thirteen too, since I've been talking for a while. So uh, we'll switch it up this week. Why don't you go ahead and talk about Final Fantasy first?
1: Um, wait. So you want me to talk about Final Fantasy 13 too first? Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. Um, the game comes out next week It's coming out on Tuesday For you guys in America And Friday for us guys over here uh, I may be getting a review copy But we'll see But well, basically um, I'm really looking forward to the game Because I think that it's going to be way better than 13 was And um yeah, something tells me the story may not be as good as 13, but I think gameplay wise, this game will be better. Cause Square Enix have really taken note of, you know, all the criticisms from 13 and they've tried to include a lot more, you know, and, uh, I think this, this game will have towns, you know, it's going to have Time travel so you can go back to different areas and, and when you go back to different areas, they'll look different as well, which I found, you know, pretty interesting. Um,
0: yeah, that sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's got the, the mogul system. And, um, what this basically allows you to do is get certain bonuses when you enter combat. So, uh, you know, like, if you catch an enemy off-guard, you get certain advantages... You know, when you enter the combat mode and stuff like that. And the Muggle is actually a weapon as well. Because um, this time around, Sarah is going to be the main character that you use... Instead of Lightning. And um, Sarah is actually Lightning's sister. So uh, it's like the story is kind of reversed a little. Because in the first game... Lightning was kind of looking for Sarah trying to rescue her but this time around is Sarah trying to rescue Lightning so um you know that's kind of interesting as well getting to play as Sarah this time and um
0: yeah that's pretty cool
1: yeah I mean I actually got to play it a little bit at the Eurogamer Expo last year and I didn't get to play much of it but from what I got to play it seemed cool Because you could actually um, You could do side missions And the side missions would actually Be you know Little storylines Within themselves whereas In Final Fantasy 13 A side mission was you go to This little terminal You know and you know you, it, it tells you to go And track down this monster And kill it and that was a side Mission but in this game it's like you're actually getting dialogue You're speaking to a real person He's giving you an objective You know and then you go Carry out that side mission And obviously That's much better because You know you feel like you're actually Accomplishing something and You know making You're making a difference So to speak instead of actually you know Just tracking down a monster and killing it But um yeah, I mean, overall, the the game seems like it's going to be a lot better. And, um, I mean, IGN, they actually put out their review today, I believe, and they gave it an 8, and, um, I believe they gave the first game an 8.9 or something like that. So, I mean, I don't know, that's just IGN, you know, I don't always follow their reviews, I mean, it's based on opinions, so... You know, but I'm just anxious to see what this game will do, and um, I mean, I still have some faith left in Square Enix, so I just want to see, you know, how the game plays. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You, you didn't play Final Fantasy thirteen, right?
0: I have not played it at all.
1: Okay. All right, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't blame you for not playing it, you know, because for die-hard Final Fantasy fans, people who liked, people who enjoyed Final Fantasy 10 and 12, you know, Final Fantasy 13 is like a huge step back. I mean, graphically it's amazing, the storyline is good, but it's just like gameplay-wise, it just kind of fell off. So you know, I guess this is their way to kind of correct that. It seems. So, we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to find out what you think of them, because, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a game that a lot of people are hoping is good. I know a lot of people were surprised to hear that they're doing a 13-2 whenever it was first announced. I know I was, because 13 got quite a bit of backlash from a lot of people, and and 10-2 wasn't exactly received well, so... Uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how it turns out.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully I'll get the game and then, you know, I'll have a review for the next episode or something and also have a review up on the site as well. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Alright, so I guess we'll move on to the last segment. We reversed it a little bit for this episode, uh, Last, we're gonna do the spotlight. Instead of spotlighting a video game that him and I both are really passionate about like we usually do, uh, this time we're gonna spotlight Dungeons & Dragons, the tabletop game. Uh, So first, I know Gary's not very familiar with it and is a little interested, so uh, first I'll just kind of describe how it works and what the game is exactly. Okay, so, I mean, everyone's heard of it. You know, everyone knows what Dungeons & Dragons is. It kind of has a bit of a negative reputation. You know, the only people that play it are really nerdy. You know, kids that live in their parents' basement and don't have any friends. Stuff like that. But, I mean, that's kind of how I thought of it before I played it for the first time. And what I can say is that it's pretty much the exact opposite. I mean, sure, it's kind of nerdy to, you know, play a game that most of it is done with your imagination. But at the same time, it's probably one of the most fun things I've ever done. It's um, so usually the way it happens is uh, you have this character generator where, you know, you can build your character. You pick a race, you pick a class, you pick your different powers Stuff like that. I'm not going to go into the specifics because you know, this don't really have time for that. But you know, you you build a character and you get an idea of what your character is going to do. And then whenever you play, uh, there's one person that's going to be the dungeon master or the DM. And so what they do is that person's usually the most familiar or the most experienced person because yeah. they know all the rules and they they know how the game's supposed to work and everything like that. And uh, so what the Dungeon Master does is um, they can create their own story or their own game for you to play. Or they can use, you know, one of the thousands that have already been written that are online or in different books or stuff like that. And um, so usually what these, they're called modules. And so, or mods for short. And so what they entail is um, kind of a written out story. It gives you the idea of what the topic of the quest is. And um, then they have different characters and enemies and stuff like that. And the dungeon master is sort of like the narrator, but then at the same time they also control all of the NPCs. So imagine like if, if this was a video game, the dungeon master is the person controlling all of the enemies and all of the people in the town, uh, narrating everything, everything like that. And so, okay. so whenever I'll just use an example of one that my friends and I did this last weekend. Um, it was five of us and then the DM also. So that's six total. And so we were, we went to a town, he said, and in the town, there were some farmers that were having trouble. And so, you know, each of our characters are in this town and then what you, you get to decide what you want to do. So, you know, one of us said that we would go talk to the farmers and then the dungeon master um, role plays as the farmers, you know, he, he says, oh, yeah, we've been having trouble with some fairies that have been coming from the forest and messing with our cattle and stuff like that. And so, you know, you can keep talking to him. You can get more information. Um, based on your character, like let's say you're playing a fighter, maybe you can intimidate him to give you money to help him if you want. Um, let's say you're playing a rogue, you can try to steal from him. Uh, maybe you're a paladin, you can, you know, use your charisma to try to... Get him to send some people to help you. Um, I mean, y- your imagination is literally the only thing limiting the way you play the game. So it's kind of hard for people to understand how it works without seeing
1: it. Okay, well, let me ask a question. Like, cause Okay, so the dungeon master at that point is the farmer, right? Yeah. And, like, if this were a game, like, say you're playing Skyrim, for example. You know, just an example. Yeah. yeah, And, um, you know, when you're talking to someone like that, you know, you have an option where if you've been upgrading your speak skill, you can, you know, probably, um, go down certain dialogue paths with this person. Like, you can try and, um, intimidate them or, um... What's the other one? You can intimidate or... Persuade. Yeah, persuade them. So, like, how would that work in this scenario with Dungeons & Dragons? Like, Because you're playing an actual person who is the dungeon master. And, you know, like, how does that kind of work where, you know, obviously if you're a rogue, you'll want a certain thing. If you're a warrior, you'll want a certain thing. You, you know, you'll want to do you'll want to carry out this task in your own way, sort of thing. And, you know, this guy's the Dungeon Master and he he's the one that's kind of crafting the whole thing. So, it's like, how does that kind of work? Does he...
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, first is, the first thing to understand like, the Dungeon Master doesn't have you know, the entire script in front of him, or all of the details. So, a lot of it, they get to make up on their own. But... Also, the most important thing to keep in mind is that the foundation of Dungeons & Dragons is, are dice. So, for example, in that situation, if you were in a party of five people and you know you all agreed that you wanted to intimidate the farmer and see if you could get more information out of them or get some money, um, the fighter, for example, will have a intimidate stat. And so based on... Um, everyone has different stats. There's a whole list of skills. There's stuff like athletics, acrobatics, uh, sneaking, um, intimidate, diplomacy, um, history, perception, everything like that. And next to that stat, or next to that skill, you're going to have a number. And so what you do is you get a die that has 20 sides, it's called a d20, it's the most important die, and you would roll it. And then let's say you rolled a 15 you would add whatever your number modifier is to it. So a fighter probably has a high intimidate stat, so he would get like a plus 10. And so it would would equal out to 25. And then so what the Dungeon Master does is they either have on their sheet, they'll have a list of requirements, or they can kind of just make it up on their own. Um, So let's say you were trying to intimidate the farmer and you rolled a 25. That's a pretty high number, so he would probably... You're like, okay, yeah, you know, the intimidate worked. And, you know, the farmer would say, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, if you help us, I'll give you, like, 100 gold each or something like that. But then let's say, okay. you know, let's say the mage tried to intimidate him and rolled, you know, like a 15, but his modifier's a negative 2. You know, it would come out to only a 13. And then, you know, the farmer would probably be able to say... Oh, okay, what are you trying to do? You're going to intimidate me, you little mage. You you know, I could punch your face in.
1: Oh, okay, I get it, I get it. Yeah, like, so
0: part of it is the die roll, part of it is your number modifier, and then part of it's up to the DM as well.
1: Yeah, okay, that, that's pretty smart, because, you know, I mean, going back to the Skyrim example, like, you know, depending on what kind of class and, you know, character you choose, you have different um stats, and attributes and stuff so like one character might you know he might have a bonus in speech and the other character might not so you know i i guess that you know when you're rolling the dice and then you add on what kind of bonus you have and that yeah, kind of exactly. stuff or modifier so yeah it makes it makes it makes sense i
0: guess it yeah, so, sounds
1: really interesting
0: see that's kind of how the role playing works and then whenever you get into combat it's a lot easier to uh, grasp, I guess. Because have you ever played, like, Final Fantasy Tactics? Or um, have you ever played a Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars or anything like that?
1: Uh, I haven't played um, Final Fantasy Tactics, but I've seen it being played. So.
0: Okay, so you understand how there's, like, a grid and you have your different characters and you move around the grid and do different attacks and stuff? Yeah. So that's exactly how the combat works. Um, what the dungeon master does is draw. He draws out a map on a um, on like a tile type of I guess kind of like a battle mat. They had they had they sell those where you can use dry erase markers on them. Um, then some people have actual printed out maps if they do that that quest a lot uh, stuff like that. So they have a grid that has the map on it. And then you're each individual little, they're called minis, you know, the little tiny characters that you use, the little mini action figures. Yeah. Those are your characters. And so, um, you know, each individual player has a certain amount of spaces they can move, they have different powers they can use, stuff like that. And then um, you take turns using, you know, going through different turns and stuff. And uh, whenever the, it's the enemy's turns to go, is that's when the dungeon master controls them. And so the Dungeon Master has, like, on in the book or in the mod or whatever, they would have the, how much damage that enemy does, uh, how much health they have, what their uh, tendencies are, stuff like that. And so one example that I can give, the one we, that we just did, um, we were in this temple, and we got to a door that was made out of vines. Yeah. And uh, we could peek through it and kind of see some of the room. And we could cut through it if we wanted. We could sneak through it, everything like that. And so since I had, I was playing the mage. And so I went up to the door, you know, and I kind of peeked through the vines. And um, I could see that there were two enemies in the room. And the area that I could see, I noticed there were two of them. And so to cause sort of a distraction, what we decided is that I would hypnotize one of the enemies, because that was one of my powers, to go attack the other one and cause like a diversion. And so I had to I had to roll my die to see whether or not my spell would work, you know. And uh, after I rolled it, it turns out it did, and I got him to attack him. And then, you know, a bunch of other enemies that we didn't even see came over and arrested him, you know, tied him up, and they all went into a corner by themselves. And so we had them, we had, you know, four or five different enemies all in one location. And then we had our rogue sneak in. And he had to, you know, roll the die to see if he was noticed. And he had a really high sneak stat, so he got he snuck in. And he could see the whole room. Then he snuck back and told us where everyone was. So the whole map was filled now. And so we know where all the enemies are. And then, you know, we then we all ran in. And um, I cast, you know, some spells that did large area damage. You know, then everyone takes turns going. And, and then, you know, the combat happens from there. And so... And see, it's really interesting because, you know, in a game like Skyrim or, like, Deus Ex, you know, they advertise as you know, you can do whatever you want, but you can only do as much as the developers want you to do. Like, for example, in, you know, in Skyrim, like, sure, you have the ability to sneak or cast a spell or use a sword, but, I mean, you don't have the ability to, um, you know, do what I did and, like, cause a diversion and have the enemies attack each other usually or you can't um, talk to an enemy and try to negotiate with them instead or you know, something like that and so like in D&D you can just anything that comes to mind if you can explain it you can do it
1: well, that sounds interesting Um I, I think I definitely need to try that man like it sounds like an interesting concept but um, I mean for this kind of thing It's like you need to find a group That kind of does it right Because it's like it seems like a pretty Rare thing And it seems like you have to Kind of hook up with the right people Yeah cause,
0: I mean I would have never Played it if I hadn't known People that did Because you know it's a huge investment There's you know books you have to buy There's you know, subscriptions you have to subscribe to and everything like that. If you're going to play it at home, you have to have all the materials. Yeah. But then, um, I know people that play them at, like, uh, game stores. So, like, I'm sure if you looked on Google, you could find, like, a game shop that has, like, a monthly d and game or something like that that you could check out. Cool. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's it's hard to explain in the abstract just with words like this. But it's definitely one of the most fun things I've ever done. And see, what's really fun is that if you get a good group together and you're all friends and you get really into it, then it's really, really, really fun because each person can play a different type of character that all complements each other. So, like, for example, uh, the rogue in D&D does a lot of damage, you know, if they can sneak up behind somebody. Yeah. And then so what's good is to have a fighter that can like, uh, keep an enemy's attention so the rogue can sneak up on them behind them and do more damage that way.
1: Oh, so then, you can so, really, like, work together as well, like, based on your skills and stuff.
0: Yeah, it's all about teamwork. That's the most important thing, because it's very easy to die. And, I mean, if, and it's very, very easy to die. So you really have to think strategically and work together.
1: Wow. I mean, yeah, I
0: mean it's, it's really, really
1: fun. I, I I guess this is like the closest you can get to actually living a role-playing game. So, it, it definitely seems interesting and it's something I want to try out at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely should. I think if anybody is listening to this podcast and they like RPGs, then they should try out D&D. Because... I mean, even people that don't really like RPGs might even like it if they're really into tactics and stuff like that, because it's it's unlike anything I've ever experienced.
1: Yeah, I mean, like this seems like something that would, you know, suit even people who like chess and, you know, board games and stuff like that. I mean, this seems like something interesting for them to try.
0: Yeah, definitely. It really is.
1: All right so do you have anything else to say or uh n- no except that I'm I'm going to try and play this you know I'm going to keep a look out I'm going to find out you know where in the UK I can play it if anyone knows then hit me up leave a comment or email me at g s w a b y at the com. you know cuz I'm very interested in this so yeah
0: yeah, you should. All right, so, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, next time, we're going to, hopefully, I'll be able to talk more about Kingdoms of Amalur if I get that review copy, and maybe you can talk more about Final Fantasy XIII too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: all right, well, if you if anyone has any questions, just leave a comment or shoot us an email. Any suggestions, and we'll be sure to include them on the next show.
1: Yep, hope you enjoyed this episode. And look out for the next one in about two weeks, hopefully. So, yeah. We're out. See ya. Bye.